This is Adventure Nannies On Air. I'm Shenandoah. And I'm Brandy. Our company is Adventure Nannies, and we talk about nannying, traveling, professional development, and also whatever we want. We'll try to keep our potty mouths to a minimum, but this podcast is not suitable for kids. You can find out more about us at adventurenannies.com. Hello, I'm Brandy and I'm sitting here with Megan. Hi guys. Our wonderful nanny and we're here today to talk about coronavirus and how it has changed and affected everything about our lives and our futures and our our work. Yeah, I yeah. think there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, we did another podcast with Adventure Nannies um, when we were in uh, Kentucky just a few weeks prior and it was it feels like that was a lifetime ago. It really does. Yeah. It's hard to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are totally different rules and we know so much more about it now. So yeah, first just quickly, uh, we're going to talk about our sort of awareness of the virus and how that's changed. We were in Washington, D.C. What month was that? Mid-February? Yep. And we had a couple guests that were at a show that are friends of ours that had just been evacuated from China. They're working there for the State Department, and they definitely had a much more grim and serious attitude towards coronavirus than we did. We had just started to hear about it. So that was like the first time I think we were introduced to the severity of this outside of just reading about it on the news. Right, yeah. And of course, like I, my after they're kind of close friends so I went to go hug them and I was like oh just kidding maybe I shouldn't you know as like a joke and they you know kind of didn't laugh like I was hoping (laughs) so now now looking back I'm like wow this is so serious and I should have probably respected their boundaries and not made it a joke because yeah it's, it's not you know yeah I remember thinking at the time more people die every year of the flu what's the big deal Right, yeah. I think at the time, the United States probably just had a handful of cases still, and they were mostly from people who had traveled from China at that point. Right. Yeah, so then from there, we were in um, Milwaukee, finally. It started to get more and more serious, and then we were wondering if we would even be able to finish the tour. We only had two dates left, and I think that's when they decided suddenly, just before they went on stage, to kind of pull the plug on the whole tour. Yeah. And I remember I, I put Lenny to bed on the bus that night and Brandy was like, yeah, it's a 50, 50. If we, after Milwaukee, we were meant to go to Minneapolis, to Minneapolis. And, um, I had went to bed with Lenny. I was just like too much. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I was like, I'm just going to go to bed because that's my coping mechanism. (laughs) And I just woke up to the bus moving and I was like, shit, like, where are we going? Are we going to go you know, I just didn't know what the 50-50 was playing out. So I remember texting Brandy at like 2 in the morning when the bus was moving to the next location. But you had told me like, you know, we might be going home. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that text, that was a weird night of being like, I always kind of knew where we were going on tour. But yeah. that night when I woke up, I was like, shit, I think we're going home. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we did. We kind of abruptly ended the tour, which was pretty strange on a lot of levels. Usually we have a party for everyone at the end and we get to say goodbye to all the other bands that were on tour with us and have some sort of closure with everything. And this was just like, all right, immediately everyone got on flights to fly back to their respective homes or... In our case, we took the tour bus back home um, and then needed to give the bus drivers a time to sleep by stopping in Omaha. So there was a group of us that took the buses back to Denver. And then when we were in Omaha, it was pretty bizarre because we had a really good idea of how severe the situation was just because we were in touch with our our management was in touch with the CDC. CDC, it's a huge financial decision to cancel a tour. So there were a lot of experts that were weighing in with their opinions so we were pretty informed but then in Omaha at the time it seemed like most people still thought it was a liberal hoax so I know we kind of took the opportunity to stock up everybody's refrigerators we had the whole bus to fill so we had two buses with us so Megan and I we went to Omaha or we went to not Omaha Costco in Omaha Omaha. Yeah. yeah and in lines people were like we overheard some ladies chatting about how it was just the Democrats plan to get the president impeached and how ridiculous this was. Everyone's kind of making jokes about it. Right. It was it was weird because you're like, wait, what is the right thing to do right now? But obviously there's no harm in being prepared. Yeah. So we went the first time in the morning, no lines. We got toilet paper. We got whatever we needed don't worry we didn't hoard anything we just got one of literally everything costco sells yeah (laughs) basically it seemed like a regular costco run actually and then we went back in the late afternoon and by then it seems like it was just super fast how sort of words started to spread yeah there was like a palatable shift and suddenly there were huge lines and they were out of the toilet paper they were out of toilet paper yeah by the time we went back yeah it wasn't as crazy as a lot of our friends were experiencing at the same time i saw on instagram people in la and new york with completely empty shelves even people here in denver with empty shelves at the grocery store so they still were fully stocked but there was definitely more panic that day in a, a huge shift yeah that was a very interesting thing to experience like going to costco in the morning and then going in the afternoon i know it's a weird thing to go twice in a day but given the circumstances we we just wanted to make sure wes's mom had stuff i had stuff when i came home because we had been on the road for like two months and coming back to a bear house with all this going on yeah it was a smart i'm really glad that we took the time to just like stock up we had the giant bus so (laughs) yeah good forward thinking yeah we we are still living off of that costco run but yeah, so now we're home. We've been, we self-quarantined for two weeks just because we had been around so many people and on four different flights just in February. And I mean, actually in March, we were in four different flights and then in rooms with 10,000 plus people every night. So we were pretty sure we'd all been exposed. So we all kind of self-quarantined. And then now Denver just went under a shelter in place provision through our mayor, not our governor. So there's some different laws that apply in Denver versus other states like California and New York who are in the same under the same sort of restrictions. But yeah, how what is your life like now, Megan? Yeah, when we got home, it was uh, you guys had given me time off, thank the Lord, from our like <laughs> two and a half month tour. And then I just like took the time uh, time to like recover and wrap my head around like what was actually going on 
Um, and then I remember us just talking about like, you know, if you feel comfortable, you can come into work. And for me, I was, I want a job and I want to work and I'm healthy and I've already been around you guys. So it made sense for me to just continue doing what I do just because, you know, we had already been living in close quarters of a bus. Like if you had it, I would most likely already have it. And so we kind of did the quarantine thing. All I did was go home and go to work, go home and go to work. And I just, to make you feel comfortable and myself and like both parties, we both agreed to only go home. Yeah. And you guys, you know, not go to the store. No grocery shopping, nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's been interesting though. And now as we are out of that sort of two week quarantine and now we're under sort of citywide restrictions, it's starting to become kind of this day by day question of do we keep having you come, Megan? What's I know. We we're just trying to take it day by day and it's a pretty strange situation because on, on one hand we obviously get a lot more done when Megan's here. We don't have essential jobs, um, as essential as folk rock might feel right now. It's definitely <laughs> not essential. We all do need it. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, it's been interesting and just seeing how this has played out with other families that do have essential jobs. My sister-in-law is a, an attorney. She has an essential job in California. She's a DA. So she still has her kid in daycare, actually. And yeah, it's a really tough thing yeah. to figure out what's morally right for us to do. Because yeah. this could go on for a long time. Yeah, and like I know every family's different. Everyone has different circumstances, and a lot of people really need childcare right now. Not to say like you and Wes don't, but somebody who has yeah, we're not physicians. Essential jobs. Yeah, yeah. I know some of my nanny friends who do have parents that work in labs and are doctors. They even just for themselves have decided like you know what I don't feel safe. And so that leaves the essential parent worker out of childcare, which means they can't go to work. And for me, I thinking about that, you know, I think it's like one of those times where you're seeing disagreements with the good friends where it's, you know, I think you should be making the sacrifice so that your boss who's essential and could be bettering society can go to work. You know, that's just my opinion. And if Brandy was a doctor, I would be here like I am right now but you know there's no right or wrong because you know everyone's opinion is obviously respected and if you don't feel comfortable going into work then don't um, but just look at the big picture and you know it's we kind of all need to help one another yeah we're all in it together yeah yeah it's tough I mean I I remember talking to you about that situation and being kind of very frustrated with that person who decided not to work for their family who is a physician and works on vaccines. <laughs> I'm like, no, we need them. I almost, yeah, it's I was almost going to send you, Megan. We'll pay for you to go work for them because we're like, there's no way that family can get their job done with babies at home. Right. And we need them to be doing their job. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's hard to tell somebody, you know, I don't, I know you don't feel comfortable, but you should still be going to work, you know? Right. And so, you know, luckily the family's still paying her in full and she is so extremely that's grateful so lucky. in a time like this, but yeah. you know, that's not the case for everybody. And I think it's definitely 
changed my outlook on people's choices. And I think during a time of crisis is kind of when people's true colors shine. And yeah, I mean, I and where I stand right now in my position and as a nanny, I, I want to be here to, you know, make your guys' life easier as I normally do and continue working as long as I can. And I'm sure everybody, anybody who is out of a job right now is probably like, be so grateful for your job, you know, which yeah. I am. So I'm taking it day by day and just grateful for every day I get to come into work. Yeah, it's tough because I think I don't want you to be out of a job and we want you to keep working for us after this is over. And then it's just tricky because we are like I mentioned before, not essential employees. So having you is a luxury. It's not a necessity. Right. And I, but I don't feel like we're putting anyone at a elevated health risk necessarily. I didn't, I especially didn't feel like that in the beginning when we were all living in a bus together just prior to this, having exposed ourselves to so many people and right. four flights. I was like, yeah, all right, guys, we all have it. We're in it together. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's crazy but now that we that, didn't Yeah, it. now that it's been two weeks and none of us have it, it's just like one tiny trip to the grocery store or walk outside and you get coughed on or who knows how one of us could get it by our daily choices. It's like, what is the risk versus the reward? And then we just had my mother-in-law move in with us because she was being naughty, as most older people are right now. I feel like there are new teenagers. Right. <laughs> Where we're like, what? You went to the grocery store? Why'd you, you go to Target? Target? Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't need anything from Target right now. <laughs> but it's just, uh, yeah, it's pretty strange. So we're trying to take it day by day. Trying to make sure Megan is still paid somehow and trying to figure out what is morally right and then also recognizing that this is a very lucky situation we're in because we still could pay Megan but so many people have lost their jobs or they're making a fraction of what they used to make because they're on unemployment and then that there's no way we could have afforded to have you Megan especially you and not working um like just paying you while you're at home there's no way we could have done this a couple years ago. Yeah. So uh, my heart really goes out to everybody right now. And we're in a super privileged place, but it is a still one we're trying to figure out how to navigate. I know you have a friend that was shocked you were still working and they didn't understand if your employers knew the severity of the situation. And right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody has probably an opinion on how how people are handling things and I think it's safe as long as I'm literally just going to my house and in my car and here and that's it. That's as safe as I can be and obviously washing my hands as soon as I get through the door and just taking every precaution I can to not, you know, interact with the public. And there's, yeah, that's really all I can do on my part and assure you that like I'm gonna go through on our agreement of just staying home yeah I think Megan really you understand the severity of this too because you have a friend who's lost a loved one already to coronavirus yeah one of and it, it's just a crazy thing because my friend's grandfather just died from corona and he died in isolation and then they weren't even able to have like a proper funeral and I just think it's like it's a terrible way to go. Yeah. So sad. And yeah. there's like no way you can like really mourn them. 
yeah, it's just really crazy, interesting times. And it's serious. Once you start hearing of people you know dying, it's... Yeah. Kind of hits differently. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was reading about Back to Privilege, how quarantine is kind of almost a white-collar thing to be able to self-call or self-quarantine throughout this whole time means no... You know, you're paying for people to come and deliver your food. Who's delivering your food? Anyone who can't afford to quarantine. Like, right. This isn't an option for a lot of people. It's not, yeah. And the government just released this bill, just signed this bill, but still nobody knows how it works or when to get it. And it's way too late for a lot of people already. It's such a such a scary time for for people. And it's just a... I've never had more anxiety in my entire life. I know, I know. And I feel like we switch in different waves. Like, Brady will be very anxious one day, and I'll be like, oh, I'm feeling okay. Like, I feel fine. And then I'll be like, oh, I watched the news this morning, and I'm in a panic. Yeah. Like, it's not a good day, you know? So it's been interesting. Like, just every day is different, and every it seems like things are changing every minute. Yeah. Yeah. Back to white privilege. I... I've been joking about like, oh no, like now I'm going to have brown hair because I won't be able to get my highlights done. And there, I'm sure there's people like worried about ha- not having food on the table. And I'm just like, you know, it doesn't really matter if your hair's grown out and your nails look like... We'll still love you if you're a brunette. <laughs> <laughs> I know you only hired me because I was a blonde. I'm a brunette too. Yeah. I know the feeling. <laughs> Yeah, so things are getting real in that way. I think we're all going back to natural ways. Yeah, it just makes you feel grateful for everything you have. Yeah, I feel like every it's kind of given us a lot of perspective, but also trying to figure out ways of coping. How do we get through every day? Because there's going to be so many days like this. Yeah. And I think you know, Wes and I have had some serious conversations about whether or not we'll have... Megan on long term, I don't think, I think your hours are definitely getting cut back. I know just last week you didn't work a full week, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're going to try to keep paying you as long as we can. It's just like such a, a wild, weird thing. And it's hard. I think that nannies that are paid on the books have the opportunity to collect unemployment or if they are furloughed or if they lose their jobs throughout this situation. And then Per that bill that was passed, hopefully they'll be making an extra $500 a week on top of that, unless you're one of those lucky six-figure nannies. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's just a very unknown time for a lot of people. And it's especially tough for nannies not getting paid on the books right now because there's no proof of income. So there's no unemployment. And I'm sure there are some resources out there that will post after this podcast I know there are for other options and things that that they can apply to but there's really just no guarantee right like yeah there's this nope. payroll protection law that came out I was super anxious about that because adventure nannies is not obviously as you can imagine doing as much at all right now we can't run background checks for a lot of people because county clerk offices are closed um so if a nanny that we're trying to place lived in a in a city that doesn't have an open county clerk office or their files weren't digitized we can't place them so yeah it's gonna be a really dry hard time for businesses to get through too but yeah the point of the story is we've been following the news daily and it's still so ambiguous of like how do people get 
the relief from those bills. We don't even know yet. And they've been signed into law a couple days ago. So, right. Right. It's like TikTok. <laughs> TikTok, yeah, and like just dealing with the stress and anxiety of just waiting and not knowing, and how how do you cope with that? And, yeah, you know, I know you've been exercising a lot, which I'm always always like envious and cheering <laughs> you on at the same time. And I inside we have a peloton. inside, yes, <laughs> to be clear. So yeah, I think exercising and staying healthy is like all everyone can do right now. Yeah. Wash your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Just use every resource available to you. Also trying to figure out how to access this aid package so you can continue life. I know they deferred taxes, which is great. And then, yeah, there's certain laws about mortgages and stuff that have passed. So yeah, it's a scary time, but... I was trying to come up with some ideas for families like ours where we are in a position where we can probably keep paying you at least through the majority of this unless it lasts for like a year, (laughs) (laughs) even if you're not here with us. But yeah, I was like, I already had you go through all of Lenny's first year photos. Yeah, which was such a fun and just like refreshing project. Yeah, it was a little work from home as a nanny. (laughs) Yeah, just I went through every, pretty much almost every day of Lenny's life, because I do have a picture of like just about every day, and picked some cute ones from every month so he can look back and kind of see his growth throughout the year of his first life. I got one of those frames that has that. A little slot for every month. Yeah, a little slot for every month. But yeah, I was trying to think of ways we can help other parents too. Not to, I think it's great to have a task. It's not just to like get your money's worth because that's not what it's about at all. It's just kind of still feeling connected with the family that you're working for. And I think one of the most important parts of survival when you're in a situation like this, especially based on the survival, like adventure travel survival books that I've read is the people who survive are the ones that have a purpose and the ones that even make up a purpose so they'll find jobs for themselves to do even if they're like in an isolation cell (laughs) every day should just have some kind of a routine to it some kind of a task some kind of a goal some kind of a thing to do even if you're stuck in your 400 square foot apartment all by yourself I think it's helpful for it would be helpful for me as a nanny I can only speak to myself right to have jobs to do that are quote-unquote work from home so yeah, I thought that would be, that's a great one, kind of working as a family archive person, even if it's just organizing photos and yeah. making photo albums for the families. There's right. tons of, you could be, I know for us here in Denver, it's really hard to get an Instacart order or like managing the Target drive through pickups, things like that, safe ways to get groceries kind of staying on top of the inventory with the parent from afar. Right. And I remember um, the first year of Lenny's life, we were reading a lot of books and Brandy would say, hey, you know, I really like this book on how to raise a child. Like, do you mind just reading it? You know, so I think that if there's a book that you that really speaks to you, it might be a good idea for you to kind of assign your nanny to read a book, even though yeah. that would be a huge privilege. I would love for you to send me oh, home coming. with books to read. They're coming. <laughs> Just so we're on the same page when things do go back to normal. We can, you know, be yeah. on the same page. and Just try to get creative and figure out ways of still striving for improvement for the whole family's well-being while everyone's kind of furloughed, stuck in 
isolation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys at home also have any ideas of ways to ways to keep working as a nanny or child care provider, that would be really great for us to hear. Well, from the confines of your own home, I know Adventure Nannies has been doing story times too, but that's such a hard thing to do to actually keep kids engaged while the parents are working. It's great. It's a great activity, and it's nice to hear from someone else, and it's great to keep connecting with your nanny kids, but... Yeah, I will definitely force you to let me see Lenny on FaceTime. <laughs> I Yeah, I have only gone like a weekend without seeing Lenny, and I, it would be really strange if, you know, one day I just like, for the safety of everybody, if it's just crazy if that you were say, gone for a couple months. Like, yeah, that would be like so terribly sad. I would need to see Lenny on FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he would need to see you too. We were actually joking because uh, when we were in Omaha, it was the first time this has ever happened, but I was walking with Lenny holding his hand and Wes was holding his other hand. Well, Wes was holding his hand. I went to grab his other hand because he was reaching for a hand and I grabbed Lenny's hand and he said, no, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, and so I was like, ooh, Megan knows how to get some paid time off. <laughs> when we got back, I gave her like... <laughs> Four and a half days off. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, sorry, Megan, you got to stay away until he stop that, stops talking about you. <laughs> oh, it was a first. I was like, wow, this is, that was awesome. But awesome for Never you. again, Lenny. <laughs> yeah. No, Megan, <laughs> Lenny starts saying, Megan, automatic time off for you. Yeah. <laughs> Go home now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Lenny has grown so much and he, he truly is a trooper. And I think children are amazing not distraction, but they, I've just loved ha- spending time with Lenny even more now. Well, I always love spending time with Lenny, but I just love his just like being present with him and kind of just focusing on his little games and coloring and trucks and just being present with the little guy. And then you kind of just realize what matters. Yeah. Brings you, brings you back down a bit. Yeah, I think right now in any way as a parent or a nanny or as a person walking down the street and seeing a child, being in the presence of children right now is one of the greatest gifts because they're so, they have no idea what's going on. I know. (laughs) And most of them, and they just have such an innocent joy to them where I know when Wes and I are home, it's such a gift to be able to wake up with a kid. And even if he's having his difficult two-year-old moments, it's... It's a beautiful thing just to focus on. It's It really makes you be in the moment instead of my previous coping mechanism, which was reading the entire New York Times every day and, like, sweating profusely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so thank you, Lenny. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I had a friend of mine send me this note from our future because right now things are kind of ramping up in, in the States. Um, now we have more casualties from coronavirus than we did uh, 9-11, which is crazy. And I think we have beat all other countries in terms of case numbers, and we don't even have testing. So I'm sure we're so far (laughs) uh, beyond all that. Yeah, I think the worst is definitely yet to come. So I want to read you guys this letter I got. A friend of mine passed it along. Let me find it. It's called A Letter to Your Future, and it really hit home with all of this that we're talking about right now. 
So it's from the acclaimed Italian novelist Francesca Melandri, who's been under lockdown in Rome for almost three weeks due to the COVID outbreak. She wrote a letter to the fellow, her fellow Europeans from your future. It's called laying out the range of emotions people are likely to go through over the coming weeks. It goes, I'm writing you from Italy, which means I'm writing from your future. We are now where you will be in a few days. The epidemics charts show us all entwined in a parallel dance, but we are but a few steps ahead of you in the path of time, just like Wuhan was a few weeks ahead of us. We watch as you did, as you behave just as we did. You hold the same arguments we did until a short time ago between those who say, it's only the flu, what's all the fuss, and those who have already understood. We watch you from here, from your future. We know that many of you, as you were told to lock yourselves up in your homes, quoted Orwell, some even Hobbes, but soon you'll be too busy for that. First of all, you'll eat, not just because it will be one of the last few things that you can still do. You'll find dozens of social networking groups with tutorials on how to spend your free time in fruitful ways. You'll join them all, then ignore them completely after a few days. You'll pull apocalyptic literature off your bookshelves, but will soon find you don't really feel like reading any of it. You'll eat again. You will not sleep well. You will ask yourself, what's happening to democracy? You'll have an unstoppable online social life on Messenger, WhatsApp, Skype, Zoom. I'm going to cry reading this <laughs> next part, but it's like, it says, you'll miss your adult children like, you've never, like you never have before. The realization that you have no idea when you will ever see them again will hit you like a punch in the chest. Old resentments and falling outs. Wow, emotional. <laughs> will seem irrelevant. You will call people you had sworn to never talk to again so as to ask them, how are you doing? Many women will be beaten in their homes. You will wonder what is happening to all those who can't stay home because they don't have one. You will feel vulnerable when going out shopping in the deserted streets, especially if you're a woman. You will ask yourselves if this is how societies collapse. Does it really happen so fast? You'll block out these thoughts when you get back home and you'll eat again. You'll put on weight. You'll look for online fitness training. <laughs> you'll laugh. You'll laugh a lot. You'll flaunt a gallows humor you've never had before. Even people who've always taken everything dead seriously will contemplate the absurdity of life, of the universe, and of it all. You will make appointments in the supermarket queues with your friends and lovers so as to briefly see them in person, all the while abiding by the social distancing rules. You will count all the things you do not need. The true nature of people around you will be revealed with total clarity. You will have confirmations and surprises. Literary, literati who have been omnipresent in the news will disappear. Their opinions suddenly irrelevant. Some will take refuge in rationalizations which will be so totally lacking in empathy that people will stop listening to them. People whom you had overlooked instead will turn out to be reassuring, generous, reliable, pragmatic, and clairvoyant. Those who invite you to see all this mess as an opportunity for planetary renewal will help you put things into a larger perspective, but you will also find them terribly annoying. Nice, the planet is breathing better because we have halved CO2 emissions, but how will you pay the bills next month? You will not understand if witnessing the birth of a new world is more of a grandiose or a miserable affair. You will play music from your windows and lawns. 
When you saw us singing opera from our balconies, you thought, ah, those Italians. But we know you'll be singing uplifting songs to each other, too. And when you blast, I will survive from your windows, we'll watch you and nod just like the people of Wuhan who sung from their windows in February nodded while watching us. Many of you will fall asleep vowing that the very first thing you do as soon as lockdown is over is file for divorce. <laughs> Many children will be conceived. Your children will be schooled online. They'll be horrible nuisances and they'll give you joy. Elderly people will disobey you like rowdy teenagers. You'll have to fight with them in order to forbid them from going out to get infected and die. You will try not to think about the lonely deaths inside the ICU. You'll want to cover with rose petals all medical workers' steps. You will be told that society is united in a communal effort and that you are all in the same boat. It will be true. This experience will change for good how you perceive yourself as an individual part of a larger whole. Class, however, will make all the difference. Being locked up in a house with a pretty garden or in an overcrowded housing project will not be the same, nor is being able to keep on working from home or seeing your job disappear. The boat which you'll be sailing in in order to defeat the epidemic will not look the same to everyone, nor is it actually the same for everyone. It never was. At some point you'll realize though, it's tough. You'll be afraid. You will share fear with your dear ones or you will keep it to yourself so as not to burden them with it too. You will eat again. We're in Italy and this is what we know about your future. It is just a small scale fortune telling. We are very low key seers. If we turn our gaze to the more distant future, the future which is unknown to both you and to us, we can only tell you this. When it's all over, the world won't be the same. That's it. <laughs> Thank you for reading that, Brandy. Yeah. It's a friend of mine who's living in New York sent that to me, and it really hit home. But Yeah, it takes your breath away. Yeah, it's pretty profound. So, I hope when we are talking next from our distant future, we all still have hope and realize that we're in this together. And in the meantime, if anyone has tips or suggestions or just wants to chat about literally anything, Adventure Nannies is doing nothing but podcasts right now. <laughs> so, so please, please get in touch. And we will talk to you soon. We will. Thanks, Megan. All right. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. For more, visit us at adventurenannies.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. To send us love letters, questions, or ideas for future episodes, email us at podcast at adventurenannies.com. Bye. Bye.